the show the establishment warned you about. I tried this, the Dr. Tommy Show. We're glad you're here. Broadcasting from the free state of Florida, where the, uh, the great governor, Ron DeSantis, is our governor. And uh, we are so happy that he's our governor. I saw someone said just the other day after, uh, we're going to cover this today, but after the Surgeon General of Florida, Dr. Ladapo, came out uh, recommending against the COVID vaccine for adults, adult males age 13, 18 to 39, I believe it was. They've already, um, I think they've already recommended not to get for children not to get it. But anyway, there was a study that they that they released and that showed that there was dangers of it from eighteen to thirty nine. We're going to cover that. But anyway, someone said that Florida is basically its own country now, and we're so glad we're on. So glad for the federalism that we have been able to enjoy under our our, our governor. I was going to say President DeSantis, but our governor DeSantis. It's People haven't been in a free state. Some people haven't been in a free state. When they come to Florida, they feel like they're in a free state and it feels different for them. I see that a lot of people have said that. Um, Dave Rubin said that when he got here, he felt very free. Uh, uh, Buck Sexton said that when he came down for vacation, he felt free. And we've had patients come here too from other states, People's Republic states. When they said they came here, they felt free. They stepped off the airplane and it's just... Such a great feeling. So anyway, we're broadcasting from the free state of Florida. The uh, Florida Gators had a good week last week. They beat Missouri, and uh, they are going to take on LSU this weekend. And it's a battle of first-time coaches, I guess, since the first time since '05. it was, when Urban Meyer, first-time coaches for both the LSU Tigers and the Florida Gators, since 05, when Urban Meyer was a first-year first coach for Florida and Les Miles was the first-year coach for LSU. It seems like that was just not too long ago to me. It's 15, was that 17 years ago now? It shows you that you're getting old when you start talking like that. But anyway, it does seem like it was just yesterday. But now this, year, this week we have uh, first-year coaches for both teams again, and it's Billy Napier for Florida Gators and for the – LSU Tigers, it's Brian Kelly, who is a not a new coach overall, but he is the new coach for the LSU Tigers. So that should be a great game, and uh, hopefully uh, we'll win. Uh, like I said, we were going to cover some stuff today about the vaccines. I wanted to also uh, talk about this concert that I just went to, Smashing Pumpkins. If you have the opportunity to see them, I recommend it. I, uh, when my buddy Spencer came down and he, he asked me back in February, I think, or no, not February. It was over the summer. He's like, do you want to go see Smashing Pumpkins? I'm like, sure. I always like to go see live music. But then I, you know, I was thinking, I know some Smashing Pumpkins songs. I'm not, I wasn't like a huge fan of Smashing Pumpkins, but I grew up during that era when, you know, the Smashing Pumpkins came around, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Alice in Chains, Smashing Pumpkins, all those, you know, alternative rock, they called it back then. Anyway, so I, I remember the Smashing Pumpkins, and of course, a lot of people know some of their songs, Bullet with Butterfly Wings and Zero and things of that nature. And what I really liked about the concert was I didn't know all of the songs, but what a performance that they put on. It was a very uh, reminiscent of Tool to me, and both the, the light show, but also the... Um, the general feel of it was just a little, uh, what do you call it, eccentric or uh, almost at sometimes uh, kind of unnerving. There was one portion of the show where they played the, the song Zero, which uh, they had a backdrop of all of these different things, vintage photo vintage film and they were playing it along with the with the music and um it was just really it was really bizarre stuff it was <clears throat> some clowns uh, it was uh people dancing it was uh, uh, there was one one portion of the show or portion of that film when there was a guy in this and they're all black and white photos or films and this guy's sitting at a table and he's talking to this little miniature person and then the little miniature person, she throws up her dress and kind of moons him and he acts surprised. It's, it's very, it's like, uh, it's very like vaudeville-ish. And, it, and there was a portion where they had these bunch of clowns, uh, small miniature clowns dancing on a moon. It looked like it was just, to me, it's like, I've never been on acid before, but it would be like what you would feel like if you're on an acid trip. And I guess that was the, uh, intention, but anyway, 
Billy Corgan is the lead singer and songwriter, primary songwriter for the band. And it was founded in, I think it was 88, because he said that on stage it had been 35 years since he and Jimmy Eha, James Eha, were, were together starting the band. And there's actually three of the four founding members are still with the band. The uh, female bass player, Darcy, is no longer with the band. There's a falling out. But otherwise, is uh, Jimmy Chamberlain, James Eha, Billy Corgan uh, on uh, drums, guitar, and guitar vocals, uh, respectively. And then they have a bass player. And then they have a, th- a third guitarist as well, because both... Uh, uh, Corgan and James Eha play guitar and then they have a third guitarist. So it's really a great show. I encourage you to go see it if you're if you're able to because uh, they put on a it's a lot of laser lights and just for for those of us who grew up in that era it's very nostalgic as well. But the songs themselves were very tightly done and uh like I said it was kind of like Tool. Tool's very tightly uh, musically tight and uh not a lot of off key, off uh, off notes or any off notes. And there's some little bit of banter between songs, but for the most part, it's just churning out and churning out song after song. And one of the songs they did play was um, a Talking Heads cover. Um, I've forgotten the name of it. Um, but anyway, it was a Talking Heads cover. And it was the one that goes, you may ask yourself, how did I get here? You may ask yourself, oh, that, you know, that song. Anyway, they played it very heavy, very, very heavy, uh, heavy as anything I've ever heard live. And it was, it's pretty interesting. So Go see the Smashing Pumpkins if you're if you're able to. All these bands that are out now, uh, you know, we're living now in this era, and I've I've said this a lot of times to Tracy. This is an era unlike any other because we're living in the era of the golden era of both music and movies, where they're going to go away. Um, and in my mind, I, I think of, for instance, music. Let's say this: the very first rock and roll band was the Beatles. There were bands before that, but most of the time before that music was individualism, individuals uh, mostly. So it was Buddy Holly and the Crickets. It was Tommy James and the Shondells. It was uh, Chuck Berry. You know, it was, it, was, it, was, it was the Big Boppers, all these people that were individuals. And then the first real band, rock and roll band, was the Beatles that was big. And so you have the Beatles and uh, Ringo Starr still performs. Paul McCartney still performs. There's Two members are passed away, but you have the Rolling Stones, actually another one of the first quote unquote bands that is still around touring. So we're living in unprecedented times for that. So we have the Beatles partial part part of the Beatles are still around Rolling Stones. Part of them are still around Uh, part of Pink Floyd still around. Um, You know, there's all these all these artists that are still around, still performing. And then if you look at the movie situation, um, Look at a, look at the performers or the uh, actors who are now movie stars. Uh, for instance, the uh, new 1923 sequel uh, to Yellowstone. I'm sorry, prequel to Yellowstone is called 1923, and it's going to star Harrison Ford, uh, another another uh, uh, person who's a, he's he's 82 years old, I believe. He's 80 years old. And then we have some of the big stars that are still performing or are still acting. Are, are, are very old, you know, this is unprecedented times because I don't know that the same type of situation is going to happen, let's say in 30 years. So the people who are 50 now, I don't know if they're going to still be acting in, in 30 years or, or 20 years even. So is, is Brad Pitt, you know, you think of Brad Pitt when I'm a kid, Brad Pitt was a young guy, but now he's 55 years old or he's 57. And so all these people are getting older and older and they're still around. They're still acting. But as far as music's concerned, I wonder how many of the bands that are around today are still going to be performing when they're in their sixties and seventies. I mean, you look at ACDC who cut a record recently, uh, even as much as I like the black keys, one of my favorite bands that's quote unquote temp- contemporary, uh, since within, I'd say within the last 20 years, I don't know that they're going to be performing when they're in their sixties. They may it's, it's, I don't know. It's possible, but I think we're living in unprecedented times as far as the artistry that's still around, still performing. And uh, so if you get the chance to see some of these people, even like I said, the, the smashing pumpkins, Billy Corgan's 55 years old. So if you get the chance to see these uh, people act or, or sing or perform or whatever the case is, go ahead and do it because 
it's very it's very likely that uh, uh what's her name megan the stallion is not going to be around uh performing when she's in her 70s uh it's very likely that uh the uh Justin Bieber will not be performing. It's very likely that any of the people that your kids like, or maybe you like, that are these uh, you know, current crop of talent is not going to be around. It's very likely that whoever the actors are in that nowadays, the young actors are not going to be around. Uh, I don't know if Elliot Page is going to be acting when she's 80. He's 80. Uh, so anyway, just something to think about. So this pandemic thing that we've been dealing with now for two years plus is starting to unravel. And I kind of got the sense of that when I was, when we see these, oh, let's do this. So the Pfizer, Pfizer has a new booster out now and they're advertising the booster for 50 plus people, people 50 and older. That's specifically who they're targeting. Now, this is a departure from what we had been inundated with before. Before we were told everyone should get the booster, everyone should get the vaccine, and, and, and it shouldn't be just 50 and older. Everybody across the board, the young, the old, the healthy, the not healthy, the children, the not children, everyone should get the booster. But now it's just... When you hear the ads, they say 50 and older. That's who they say. If you're 50 and older, you should get the booster. And here's the booster. So we're starting to see this kind of withdrawal. And you've seen it with the mandates, too. They're, they're, they're kind of backing off the mandates, both, both the corporations and the governments. We, we talked about before how the uh, military is slowly withdrawing some of their mandates, although they're still in effect. Uh, so you're seeing this backing away from... Um, this push for COVID. And I was thinking, why is this? There's something that's coming down the pike and I think it's starting to unravel. And one of the reasons it's starting to unravel is because of people like Dr. Joseph Latipo, who is the surgeon general of Florida. And they did a research study. They did a case control study where they looked at individuals who got the vaccine. And I'm just going to let him go ahead and talk and tell you what he found. So this is Dr. Joseph Latipo, and he was on uh, with he was on with Steve Bannon on his show War Room. Correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't this what CDC or the FDA or somebody? I think it's CDC. Isn't this what they're supposed to do instead of just bombarding us? If you're telling us this data was there from a year ago that you could pull together in Florida, you, you had to work it through. Why didn't CDC come forward? Why do we have to wait for the Surgeon General of Florida to come forward with Florida data, sir? Well, I, I'm not at the CDC, but from everything I've seen, they're just incredibly corrupt. They've just done just the most absurd things during this pandemic. The cherry picking of studies to, for example, push the mask agenda, especially among among kids in school they've been just they've been so bereft of any integrity that i'm not surprised they don't i'm sure they either don't ask questions that they don't want to know the answers to or if they get the answers they don't like those answers get shoved in a desk drawer that's a very good point there so we're not looking for answers and if we do find answers we don't like they get shoved in a desk drawer. So what answers did they find in their study? And this is, again, this is Dr. Latipo. We found that there was an 84% increase in the relative incidence, essentially the risk over a 28 day period after the vaccines in young men, men between 18 and 39 years old. So 84%, enormous. You know, just a, a huge effect on their risk of having a cardiac death. And, and that was the major finding. So that's the major finding that they had that now that's the reason that we are not recommending from the government of Florida that people 18 to 39 get this vaccine or this booster. That is something that should be across all the media if this was done responsibly, if the media was responsible, if the media was not just pushing an agenda if the media was not just all in on uh, the fact that vaccines are are beneficial for everybody. And so you get back to it and you say, well, how do we get to this part? And, uh, you know, th this is not something that uh, is uh, what we would expect 
because what what we would expect is that they would have done something very uh, diligently and they would have uh, they would have done this in a in an orderly fashion and then tried to uh, put something out there that is good for everybody that's been tested on it on all the people that need to be tested on so that they can make it sure it's safe and then so what we have here is this is a this is somebody this is named rob ruse he is a member of parliament the european parliament and he had the person in front of him in a hearing it was a pfizer director and this is what he has to say about this this is from his twitter feed uh this is rob ruse and i will speak in english so there are no misunderstandings was the Pfizer COVID vaccine tested on stopping the transmission of the virus before it entered the market. If not, please say it clearly. If yes, are you willing to share the data with this committee? And I really want a straight answer, yes or no, and I'm looking forward to it. Thank you very much. Um, regarding the question around, um, did we know about stopping humanization before um, it entered the market? No. Uh, these, um, you know, we had to really move at the speed of science to really understand what is taking place in the market. This is scandalous. Millions of people worldwide felt forced to get vaccinated because of the myth that you do it for others. Now this turned out to be a cheap lie. This should be exposed. Please share this video. So there we go. You know, this is straight from the horse's mouth, so to speak, that the, this, this virus, this vaccine was not tested to see if it was actually stopping the spread of COVID, which is everything we're told. And I want to go back. I want to play the beginning of part of what this gentleman had to say, because it's pretty interesting. Uh, he, he lays it all out there about, you know, what a lot of us are feeling. If you don't get vaccinated, you're antisocial. This is what the Dutch Prime Minister and Health Minister told us. You don't get vaccinated just for yourself, but also for others. You do it for all of society. That's what I said. Today, this turned out to be complete nonsense. In a COVID hearing in the European Parliament, one of the Pfizer directors just admitted to me, at the time of introduction, the vaccine had never been tested on stopping the transmission of the virus. This removes the entire legal basis for the COVID passport. The COVID passport that led to massive institutional discrimination as people lost access to essential parts of society. I find this to be shocking, even criminal. Please watch the video until the end. That's where we picked up before. So that's the truth. You know, we were told that if you get the vaccine, that you're a good person. If you get, if you don't get the vaccine, you're a bad person. And uh, then, then all this stuff happened, and then we were starting to see all of these uh, breadcrumbs out there showing that there was not a, 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 a lot of research going on to show that this thing was actually going to help prevent anything. But that did not stop some people from believing it, and does not stop some people from believing it today. This is a article from the Atlantic. It's called The Pandemic's Legacy is Already Over or Already Clear, and it's written by this man named Ed Yong. And so... A lot of people have invested emotionally. Uh, emotionally, they've invested a lot of. Uh, I'd say that, that people have gone into this response to COVID more wholeheartedly than anything in their lives, potentially, from a standpoint of trying to exp impose whatever they believe on someone else. And so this says the pandemic's legacy is already clear. And uh, he's talking about, and I think this is a lot of what drives the reaction of people who are on the pro-COVID pandemic paranoia side. This is what drives a lot of them. And it says here that it says um, the U.S. will continue to struggle against infectious diseases in part because some of its most deeply held values are antithetical to the task of besting a virus. Since its founding, the country has prized a strain of rugged individualism that prioritizes individual freedom and valorizes self-reliance. According to this ethos, people are responsible for their own well-being. Physical and moral strength are equated. Social vulnerability results from personal weakness rather than policy failure. And handouts or advice from the government are unwelcome. Such ideals are disastrous when dealing with the pandemic for two major reasons. 
First, diseases spread. Each person's choices inextricably affect their community, and the threat to the collective always exceeds that to the individual. To handle such threats, collective action is necessary. Governments need policies such as vaccine requirements or, yes, mask mandates that protect the health of the entire populations when individual, while individuals have to consider their contribution to everyone else's risk alongside their personal stakes. And so that's what the basis of this was all built on. So you have COVID vaccine, you have, you have COVID happen, right? From a lab, most likely. Lab leaks in China, which have completely been gone, gone uninvestigated, except from the WHO saying... Yeah, we talked to the people at China and they say it didn't come out of the lab, so case closed. And so did we. We said, okay, case closed. So anyway, so um, so the COVID happens, the virus gets out, it starts spreading all over, it kills a lot of people. President Trump is the president and he says, uh, we want to have a vaccine. We want to get a vaccine. We're going to do Operation Warp Speed. And that is music to the people's ears who are already developing virus vehicles. I'm sorry, vaccine vehicles called mRNA because they've already had this on the shelf. They've already been working on this. It's been a failure so far. They've tried it in other things uh, and it hasn't worked yet. Most 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 uh, clearly to me is when they've tried it in in cancer. There's been a lot of work on quote unquote cancer vaccines. And what it was is exactly what we've done with COVID. You put a cancer epitope into an mRNA and you try to quote unquote vaccinate that person with that mRNA by making the body immune response to that protein, destroy that protein. Then the idea would be you use the body's own uh, immune forces to destroy the cancer in a, in a, immunologic response that's what a cancer vaccine was well so far they haven't been able to do that hopefully they will but anyway so that vaccine technologies that quote-unquote mrna vaccine technology has already been there so along comes donald trump donald trump wants to end covid he's a he's a he's a problem solver donald trump is a gets things done and so he wants to solve covid so he comes along and he goes I want to do uh, Operation Warp Speed. I want to push this vaccine through real fast. I want to get it out there and start saving lives. Well, like I said, that's music to the vaccine developers' ears because they're saying, well, Jesus, we've been trying to do this for a long time. This guy is on board. Let's go ahead and do this. And so they went along with it. They said, yes, yes, you're right, Mr. President. Let's do that. So they played on his ego. And then they developed this vaccine. And then as you hear from the Pfizer executive here, they didn't really test it to make sure it does what it should do, which is prevent infection. They just tested it to see if it made antibodies. And so they tested it to make see if it made antibodies. And here we have, uh, then we have it just say, okay, well, we made antibodies. Therefore, that means it's going to prevent COVID spread. Let's le- unleash it. And we're going to start counting the money. So the, the vaccine went out. Uh, United States, all these other countries bought up the vaccine, started distributing wholesale to everybody. And then they, they said, well, it's Operation Warp Speed. It's under a EUA emergency use authorization. So we, we're not going to test it on all these different ways because there's not enough time. We need it. It's an emergency. We got to get out there. And because it made antibodies, we know it's going to work. So that's what they did. They let it go. And then it went out there and it started doing its thing. And then there was an initial period of time where we're like, well, it's going to work. It's doing its job. And then slowly but surely, uh, all of the uh, all of the sparkle stops started to fall off the vaccine. The first thing that happened were breakthrough cases. So when you look back on it, you remember the breakthrough case was the one in 5,000 shot. And it doesn't take long to go back in time to see this. This was last year. Uh, just last year, when everyone was rolling out the vaccine for everybody, uh, Joe Biden was saying, if you get the vaccine, uh, you're going to have immunity to the virus. There's a one in 5,000 chance that you'll still get infected. Dr. Fauci, or is it Dr. Burks? I can't remember whatever, whatever talking head doctor it was said, if you get the vaccine and, uh, the virus gets on you, it's a dead end. You're not going to spread it. So. All of this stuff has been proven untrue. So we know that breakthrough vaccine, I'm sorry, breakthrough infections are not one in 5,000. From my experience, breakthrough, there's no such thing as a breakthrough infection. People who have been had COVID get reinfected. People who have had the vaccine get reinfected. People who have had COVID and had the vaccine get reinfected. And people who are unvaccinated get get infected and infected, infected. So there's no, there's absolutely no 
there's absolutely no difference as far as I can tell from people who get infected with COVID from the, what who've been vaccinated or not been vaccinated. <clears throat> so, so we have this, 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 this is the first thing that starts to fall away. Then we say, well, the vaccine is safe, the vaccine's safe. And then you start hearing all this stuff about pericarditis and myocarditis. And then we start wondering, well, is the vaccine really safe or not? And then if you start saying that you start questioning whether the vaccine is safe, that's when you start running into trouble. That's when you start getting banned from a polite company, whether it be personally or through your ability to communicate through the public square. So Twitter bans you, Facebook bans you and all that stuff. So then we come to the where we are now, where now we're seeing Pfizer is starting to come out and say, look, you know, we didn't test it to see if it would stop spreading. And then we didn't test it to see if uh, we didn't test it long term. So now we don't know about pericarditis and myocarditis and the risks. And then you see what Dr. Lottopo says. And he says his, his opinion is that the scientific medical bureaucracy who was in charge, once they started looking at this vaccine, quote unquote, they said, we're not going to look for things that are um, questionable. We're not going to look for things that are uh, potentially shed this vaccine in a, in a negative light. And, and in his opinion, which I think is probably true, if we do find anything that is negative, we're going to shelve it. We're not. We're going to silence it. We're going to deep six it, kind of like uh, what the government does when they find something shady about Joe Biden or, or Hunter Biden. They just they just pretend like it never happened. They deep six it. So that's what they've done. And now we're here at this situation where uh, Florida Surgeon General is recommending people not get the vaccine. Pfizer and uh, Pfizer is advertising the vaccine only for people above 50. At least that's the advertisements I've heard. And so we're coming to this 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 pandemic's taken off like a rocket ship. And now it's starting to come down to earth. And now we're going to see some of the real casualties of what's been going on and the casualties we've already seen. And you're seeing the casualty when you try to go to the grocery store. The only reason that you're paying as much as you're paying for food and much as you're paying for goods is because the government shut down people, not because of the coronavirus that you always hear that the, the pandemic caused this, the virus caused this, the virus did not cause this. What caused this was the government governments caused this governments saw the pandemic and they messed up. They screwed up. They shut things down when they shouldn't have. They destroyed people's livelihoods. What they really did that was egregious was they forced people to do things that were against their will. Like this gentleman says, you know, this is what he thought. It says to handle such threats, collective action is necessary. Governments need policies such as vaccine requirements or yes, mask mandates that protect the health of entire populations while individuals have to consider their contribution to everyone else's risk alongside their personal stakes. So this person wrote this in September 30th, 2022. Everything that I've said in the previous 28 minutes is falling on deaf ears for this man. He does not accept that there is anything other than what the, he has been told from the very beginning that if you just get your vaccine, if you just mask up, if you just stay home, if you just don't talk to your family, this virus will all go away. We'll get down to COVID zero and then we can all back could go back to our business. This exactly, this person is exactly the person who is running uh, the, the Twitter uh, misinformation boards. This is exactly the person who is running the CDC. This is exactly the person who is making recommendations on whether or not people should get vaccines to stay in the military. This person is the person who is driving around in their car with their mask on by themselves because they're scared to death. They believe it what they were told, they don't question it. And then they still have not adjusted their viewpoint based upon real world experience. And so that's what we're at now. And so this is the whole reason we're, like I said, paying these extraordinary prices for everything. This is the reason that we're on the brink of a global depression. Jamin Dimon, who's the uh, CEO of City, I believe, said that in the next six to nine months, we're going to be in a recession here in, in the United States. If you go by normal definitions we're already in recession because we've had two quarters now of negative growth and that's always been the definition but now the definition is well that's a part of it but there's also you have to have all these other people agree and it is 
So basically, the point is, is if a Democrat's in office and there's two quarters of negative growth, that's not a recession until everyone else agrees it's a recession. So it may be to the point where we're all standing outside uh, trying to uh, collect food from uh, soup kitchens when they'll finally say, look, guys, looks like we're in a depression or a recession. That might it may be to that point if there's a, a Democrat in office that it will come to that. If a Republican happens to get in office, they will say the next day if there's two quarters of negative growth, we're already in session. That's anyway. That's back to the misinformation on the part of the the news media. But the point of it is, is that all of this stuff. If people take anything away from this, this experience that we've had, this virus, this uh, probably what it was was a vehicle that is being developed now to spread something even more serious than COVID itself. That's my opinion. So whatever this thing was that started, whether it came from a bat that somebody ate that they've been doing for thousands of years in wet markets in China and then suddenly spread it, or whether it was from some prototype germ warfare that was in the Wuhan lab in Wuhan when the Wuhan virus escaped, if whether it was that, we don't know. But either way, this virus has caused what we're sealing today. And if anything that people should learn from this is that you should always be skeptical when there is a, a consensus on something where there can be no consensus developed yet because we don't have enough information. We don't have enough world experience. And especially if your own intuition tells you, well, maybe something isn't right. And so like climate change, for instance. Climate change is the only thing that I know that we're supposed to accept as fact without any question as much as uh, COVID. COVID and climate change. We're supposed to accept that the science is the science, the settled science. There's no questioning it. And also to criminalize anyone who does question it. So if you question COVID, for instance. So this gentleman here, back to this guy, Ed Yong, and the pandemic's legacy is already clear from the Atlantic. He says, uh, to handle such threats, collective action is necessary. Governments need policies such as vaccine requirements or, yes, mask mandates. Okay, so that's what he says we need. What he doesn't say is what happens if you don't go along with vaccine requirements or mask mandates? Because I guarantee you that he pretty much would think that the next step would be some type of forceful action against you. Now, he doesn't say that in here. But I, I guarantee you, my guess is that his next his next step would be uh, forcing you to have a vaccine or forcing you to have a mask on. And then if you dare to um, to disagree with him, then you're going to see some gulag action coming your way. And that's what I think, too. And so when you have these collective uh, this this widespread belief in something that you don't know is clear, you have to question it. And you have to question it, not for only for yourself, but you have to question it for those who come behind you. And you have to question it for those who haven't even thought about it. Because there's a lot of people out there who think that the government is uh, beneficent. The government is beneficent. They are only operating under your, for your best interests. And the, the, the government is doing things. They think about it a long time. They deliberate. They're not corrupt. They just do things that are in the best interest of people. And sure, sometimes they get things wrong because they're human, but most of the time they get things right. That's the absolute opposite. The opposite is governments are corrupt because men are corrupt. Men and women are corrupt, especially those who seek power. And the other thing is, is that the only thing to keep these people in line, the corruption, to keep it to where it doesn't become completely corrupt, like banana republics, which we're becoming, is you have to have political, uh, you have to have political force. You have to have the force of the people, that mean the body politic, to keep these people on the straight and narrow. Because their, their normal inclination People who seek power, their normal inclination is to get more power. That's just the way it is. That's the nature of man, one man and man. And so you have to make it politically, uh, you have to make it politically beneficial for them to do the right thing. That's what Milton Friedman said. You know, we get this idea that you have to elect the right people to Congress. You have to elect the right people to the to the presidency, and that would be nice if we had if we had this class of 
angelic people who were had the best interest of us in hand in mind and, and they got elected and they, they chose to run for office and then they got elected and they got there and they just did all these things right and then we can have things done in an orderly fashion and we can have just a wonderful uh, wonderful existence that would be nice but that's not how things work and so like milton freeman said is you can't sit around waiting to elect the right people to office what you have to do is make it politically beneficial for the wrong people to make the right decisions. So his point was you have to work with who's there and you have to push them to do the right thing. And that's how you do it. And you do it through voting. You do it through other things, you know, political activity, whether it be speaking or whatever the case is, uh, you know, speaking, uh, either speaking with your mouth or speaking through your, your um, donations through political action committees. That's what's uh, part of the importance of the way we do our system is you have to put your money where your mouth is. So you have to be able to fight back with both speech and also paid uh, political speech. And that was one of the things that was Supreme Court decided was legal, actually, was your ability to do that. So anyway, so we have to have learned from this that there is limits to what the government can do. Oftentimes the government does the wrong thing. You have to be on your guard and you have to protect yourself from them because they are not going to do what's in your best interest uh, necessarily because exactly what we talked about here. And I had this clip earlier from Dr. Fauci uh, and I, I lost it. But anyway, it was a clip of Dr. Fauci and uh, Rand Paul and it was Dr. Fauci speaking from years ago because he had blacker hair, but he still had the voice. But anyway, Dr. Fauci was on some talk show and someone calls in and says, uh, Dr. Fauci, uh, should I get the flu vaccine? Because I've already had the flu. And Dr. Fauci says, well, you don't need to get the flu vaccine because getting infected is the is the ultimate vaccination. It gives you the most uh, gives you the most uh, protection against infection. So you don't need to get the flu vaccine. So obviously Rand Paul plays this and Dr. Fauci is sitting there and he says, well, what about now? Now you've told us before, no matter what, people have to get vaccinated, even if they've already had infection. You don't take into account uh, prior infection or natural immunity. And he goes, well, Dr. Paul, you, you took that. You don't call him Dr. Paul because he doesn't have the respect for him. He goes, Senator Paul, you, you took that out of context because what they were saying is, is if they were already infected, but they had an adverse reaction to the vaccine, should they get their vaccine? And I said, no. Well, basically, it doesn't matter what he said, because he said the truth on, out loud. And the truth is that natural immunity trumps vaccinated immunity. But you don't always want that. You don't always want to get natural immunity. For instance, uh, you can get polio and get natural immunity, but you sure as hell don't want that. It'd be better to get vaccinated immunity. But from the standpoint of public policy, if you have something like coronavirus, which is a respiratory virus, and you get it, there is no way in the world that you should be forced to get the vaccine afterwards. This is exactly what they did. And there should be no reason not to take into consideration natural immunity. And uh, the other thing about natural immunity is that, for instance, from the COVID vaccine virus, if you get infected with a COVID virus, you get immunity to all the parts of the virus. So you get immunity to the attachment, which is a spike protein. You get immunity to the envelope, which is the protein that surrounds the nucleic acid. And so you get immunity to all the different parts of the, of, of the actual virus. Whereas if you get immunity from a vaccine, for, such as the COVID vaccine, quote unquote, you're getting immunity only to the spike protein and the spike protein is mutated. That's why they've come out with this new Omicron variant bivalent. They call it the new booster, quote unquote. So anyway, so, you know, you always have to be, you always have to just like I, I've said before, the, 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 the greatest threat to liberty in America today is the unfounded belief in the competence of the government. People believe that the government's competent and because they do, there's a whole lot of things that happen that are bad. And if people would only step back and be slightly uh, circumspect about what they're being told, maybe, maybe we have a chance. But back to the global warming thing, you know, asteroids killed the dinosaurs. Uh, there used to be a mile of ice over Chicago. None of that is around anymore, and none of that had to do with SUVs or cows farting. Yet we're told today that SUVs and cows farting is going to be the demise of us all. It just doesn't make sense. Like I said, if it, if it doesn't make sense to you, you should stop back, stand back, and question it. 
couple things about the FBI. So this is the F-E-F-F-B-E-E-I-E-Y-E. I spelled it that way so I don't get, well, so I don't get tracked. So maybe I shouldn't call it the FBI. We're going we're gonna to cover the FIBI, okay? FIBI undercounts times armed citizens stop active shootings. This is interesting. This is a, from something called the Crime Prevention Research Center. Uh, it says, a study from the Crime Prevention Research Center released Monday shows that FIBI undercounts the number of times an armed citizen stops an active shooting. It says, the C... PRC pointed to an example of 22-year-old Elijah Dickin shooting and killing the Glen Park, Glenwood Park Mall attacker in Indiana on July 17, 2022. They noted a few establishment media responses to the attack. Quote, rare in the U.S. for an active shooter to be stopped by a bystander from the Associated Press. Rampage in Indiana, a rare instance of armed civilian ending mass shooting. Washington Post. After Indiana mall shooting, one hero but no lasting solution to gun violence. This is in New York Times. It says, the CPRC then observed, this is, all, this is all from Breitbart, by the way. CRP, CPRC then observed, evidence compiled by the Crime Prevention Research Center shows that the sources the media relied on undercounted the number of instances in which armed citizens have thwarted such attacks by an order of more than 10, saving untold number of lives. Of course, law-abiding citizens stopping these attacks are not rare. What is rare is national news coverage of those incidents. Although those many news stories although those many news stories about the Glenwood shooting also suggested the defensive use of guns might endanger others. There's no evidence that these acts have harmed innocent victims. It says the FBI reports that armed citizens only stopped 11 of the 252 active shooting incidents identified for the period of 2014 to 2021. The FBI defines active shooter incidents as those from which an individual actively kills or attempts to kill people in a populated public area, but it does not include those it deems related to criminal activities such as robbery or fighting over drug turf. And this is this is the guy speaking who is the uh, he runs this place. He says. An analysis by my organization identified a total of 360 active shooter incidents during that period and found that an armed citizen stopped 124. A previous report looked at only instances where armed citizens stopped what likely would have been mass public shootings. There were another 28 cases that we didn't include where armed civilians stopped armed attacks, but the suspect didn't fire his gun. So they're saying, look, we didn't even include these uh, attempts where there was no shooting, but they were going to start shooting. We didn't even include those. Those cases were, are excluded from our calculations, though it could be argued that a citizen also stopped what likely would have been an active shooting incident. The CRPC notes the FBI reported that armed citizens thwarted 4.4% of active shooter incidents, while the CPRC found 34.4%. So their, their analysis of the, of the data shows that 34% of active shooters shooting accidents or incidents during that period of time, 2014 to 2021-34% of the time they were stopped by an armed citizen, whereas the FBI only reported a 4.4%. And uh, back to the talking heads. You may ask yourself, why does FIBI undercount times armed citizens stop active shootings? And that's a good question. Uh, the question is likely because the, the FIBI has a uh, political political bent. The FIBI is likely run by liberals who don't like guns in the hands of citizens. And it's probably likely that the FIBI uh, knew for, for sure that, that, that they were undercounting. It could have been, it could have been a uh, circumstance. It could have been uh, accidental, but I doubt it. Uh, the government for some reason doesn't like individuals. I don't know why it is. It's it's been going on since the dates of uh, King George, and that's why we're sitting where we are now because the government didn't like individuals in the colonies then, and the government now doesn't like individuals, uh, especially individuals who try to express their own opinions or also protect themselves. This idea of an individual, this like back to this guy from the Atlantic. The left doesn't like individualism. It's just one of them things. It's. It, it goes down to the heart of the matter, the difference between collectivists and individuals. Collectivists don't like individuals. Individuals don't want to be part of a collective. And it's just, it, I don't know how long it's been that way. 
maybe forever. Um, I do know that in Mark Levin's book, Ameritopia, he talks about uh, some of the, the philosophers of old. And uh, he talks about in the how there's always been this group of people who feel like they are smarter than everyone else. And then therefore they need to be in charge of everyone else. And I think that's what we're dealing with is the people who believe that they need to be in charge of everyone else because they are smarter tend to be the ones who are collectivists because they feel like the collective needs to do what they think. Like this guy, this guy from the Atlantic, you know, the collective needs to think what he thinks that to handle such threats, collective action is necessary. Governments need policies such as vaccine requirements or yes, mass mandates that protect the health of entire populations. Because I think that because I'm smart. And if you don't do what I say, I'm going to throw you under the bus. I'm going to bury you under the, I'm going to bury you under the, uh, under the jail. And I'm going to have the fibby and the fibby is going to go out and say, we need everyone not to carry guns. The Fibby believes that the gun should not be carried by individuals. And if so, if there's a situation where individual with a gun stops a mass shooting, we at the Fibby are going to undercount that because it doesn't go with our narrative that people need to be disarmed because I believe people need to be disarmed. I can be armed. Okay. I can be armed. I'm smart enough. I can have guards to arm me. You individual citizens, like Michael Moore says, you can buy a dog. Uh, or if you're in a corporate situation, if you've seen these corporate violence things, they tell you that if there's an active shooter at your office and you're in a corporate situation, because you're in a corporate situation, you're allowed to carry a gun to protect yourself because you may turn into active shooter, right? So anyway, so if, if there's no guns there and someone shows up and you're in an in a environment with no guns, you're supposed to barricade the door with a heavy furniture. Uh, you're supposed to, uh, you're supposed to throw staplers if they make it in, they start shooting. I guess you, you can put a trash can over your head, maybe protect you. I don't know. But this is this is what they believe. But for them, they will always have guns. They will always be protected. For you, you're not smart enough. You're not part of the uh, oligarchy. You're not part of the, uh, the, uh, the inner party, to use 1984 terminology. You don't know enough. So you just have to do what they tell you. This is more information about Phoebe from Breitbart. Senior, if... Senior Phoebe analyst bureau offered bureau offered Christopher Steele one million dollars to corroborate dossier. So Christopher Steele's the British spy who was drumming up dirty uh, information to use against Donald Trump, paid for by Hillary Clinton. Uh, this is the allegation uh, that that's what the case was. We don't know for sure because the Phoebe's not telling us anyway. The Fibby offered former British spy Christopher Steele up to $1 million if he could prove the claims in, a, in his infamous dossier, according to senior Fibby analyst testimony on Tuesday in the special counsel John Durham's criminal probe into the origins of Russiagate. It says, Danchenko, a paid Fibby informant and Steele's primary source for the dossier, is accused of lying to the FBI. Durham is accusing Danchenko of lying to FBI to protect Charles Dolan Jr., a communications consultant with close ties to the Clintons, um, blah, 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 blah. It says uh, this this agent, Alton, Brian Alton, interviewed Danchenko and Steele as part of the Bureau's Crossfire Hurricane team investigating an alleged connection between former President Trump and Russia. Alton testified the FBI offered Steele up to $1 million, which was ultimately never paid because Steele couldn't substantiate the claims in his dossier. So they had this guy, Dan Chinko, uh, I'm sorry, this guy, um, Steele, and uh, he's, uh, he's, he's here with this information in this dossier. And the uh, FBI says, well, we'll give you $1 million if you can show us some corroborating evidence for these claims that you have here. And Christopher Steele says, well, you know, I don't have any. It says, Christopher Steele was offered anywhere up to a million dollars for information, which could help prove the allegations CNN reported. In addition to not corroborating evidence, Alton also testified that Steele refused to give the FBI the identity of his sources during their 2016 meeting. So Christopher Steele shows up with this dossier, and he says, uh, here's this dossier. Trump's a bad guy. The FBI says, uh, well, can you corroborate it? We'll give you a million dollars if you can corroborate it. And he's like, oh, I can't do that. All right, well, then tell us who your sources are. I'm, I can't do that either. So uh, Auten said under oath when Durham asked him if the FBI had any corroborating evidence for the Steele dossier, he says no. 
and says, did you have any corroborating evidence when you applied for the Pfizer warrant to spy on Trump? Advisor Carter Page, no. It says, Alton and other FBI agents met with Steele on October 2016 after FBI received Steele's dossier on September. Despite the FBI not having corroborating evidence, Alton claimed, confirmed that the agency relied on the dossier in its initial FISA application less than 20 days after meeting with Steele. So this is what's been claimed all along that this was a witch hunt. This is what Donald Trump's been claiming all along. And we're told that, oh, well, that's just a conspiracy. You know, Donald Trump's lying. Conservatives are lying. And here we are during this uh, Durham investigation, finally getting some official acknowledgement of what's been bandied about for a long time. Just like we're getting some official acknowledgement from the people at Pfizer of what's been suspected all along. And... Um, I don't know. It's not a good time to be uh, someone who's not on the inner in the inner party uh, because uh, people are. Uh, I think once you get people on a corner, they start to uh, get more dangerous. That's one of the dangers of Putin. Now he's getting in the corner. So now he's getting more dangerous. He's talking about dropping nukes, and then you have a person like Joe Biden who's inept and uh, cannot do anything to defuse the situation. And he just, he just makes things worse. Anyway, so. I don't know what's going to happen when the government gets cornered. We saw what happened in 2020 when the government got cornered. President Trump's in office. Um, He's challenging the establishment. He's trying to drain the swamp. Coronavirus comes around. They enact all these policies uh, to make voting uh, less straightforward, more opaque, more open to uh, corruption and then the, the, the then they start doing all of these investigations and they start changing rules um, outside of constitutional per, uh, um, outside of the constitutional requirement to use the legislature government governors and courts started enacting all these rules changes to voting so they were able to take that election and now so here comes 2022 rolling around 2024 i think you're seeing more and more people become aware that the government is uh, corrupt. So you get people like Woody Harrelson, good left-wing guy, guess you call him a liberal, whatever the case is, good-hearted, believes the government's in a, doing the right thing. Then he was on there with Bill Maher saying that he doesn't trust big government or big pharma with his health. See, this is so he's, they're losing people like Bill Maher a little bit. They're losing people like Woody Harrelson. It's going to be an interesting time because, like I said, when governments start to lose control, that's when they start to clamp down even harder. And these people like this guy at the Atlantic, you know, who's, who's lamenting the fact that we have this strain of individualism. Like I said, this guy is emblematic of the people in government. This guy is emblematic of the uh, oligarchy. This guy is emblematic of the collectivists who believe that we should all be under their control because they're the smartest. So people like Bill Gates. People who weren't run the World Economic Forum, all these, 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 these big brainy people, they don't like a bunch of little people like you and I telling them what to do or thinking on our own, whether it be on the pandemic or climate change or anything. Anyway, that's it for us today. I hope you uh, are able to subscribe on Rumble or on any of the podcasting platforms so you can keep up with us. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you next time. So until then, take care. Bye bye.